Welcome back, everyone, to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I'm joined again today with Pastor Matt first, and we are going to jump right into this program. We are picking up where we left off yesterday, responding to a podcast from the Issues podcast by Pastors uh, Brennan Wickens and Russ as they discussed Israel. And so if you did not watch yesterday's program, you might as well just go back and watch the other one first and then come back and check this one out. But we're going to watch the remainder of the video that we did not cover and uh, respond to uh, what these guys have to say. So let's get right into it. You know, certainly what it is. Mm -hmm. What about you, Tom? And I've got I've covered in the article as well. Um, Galatians talks about um, the Israel of God in Galatians, uh, and it's trying to say, that there's a spiritual Israel and a physical Israel, and you know it's it's, it's conflating things. Um, and you know the Israel of God, it's not saying that the church is one and the same. That those two things are very distinct, and I, I think it's it's a hermeneutic that leads to that result. Um, and you just let let those two things remain distinct. Well, further down that road of conflating Israel with the church is anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a rejection of the Jews. God's already yes. rejected them. They're the Christ killers. I mean, however far you want to go down that road, but they're I know independent Baptists who are anti-Semitic on the basis of this, and they're just flat out wrong. So so speak to that because here this is I I, I want to know who the anti-Semitic Baptists are. I think he's probably talking about you and me, and and certainly Anderson or whoever else. But um, I hope he's not talking I mean, about me. I hope he's I not, talking, he's about not talking about you. I hope he's not, but but who else is he talking about? Independent fundamental Baptist. I know. I mean, uh, he has my book. Who is Israel? I'm not an anti-Semite. The, the the whole anti-Semite thing is silly anyway, because all of those people over there are Semites. They're all Semitic. They're all from Shem. Uh, it, it's just no. I'm anti-lies and I'm anti-false doctrine. I, I'm I'm anti. You know, getting away from the Bible and, and, and letting commentaries develop your thinking. But I'm not anti-Semite, and, and people who know me know that. And, and we, as a church, we support a Jewish man who was saved in America and now is serving in Israel. And I don't think he even agrees with my eschatology and stuff, but we support him because he does preach the gospel, and he does understand the gospel, and he, of anybody, understands that Jews need the gospel. So we support uh, a Jew in Israel right now, a Jewish Christian, a born-again Christian who is, who is there. Uh, Anti-Semite, uh, that, is, that is such a nice label to use. It's, it's like I said earlier in yesterday's episode, uh, it's, it goes along with Andersonite. Uh, neither one of them are true when you try to slap it on me, but go ahead and try it if that's what you want. But I don't know exactly who Tom's talking about, but I think I might be one and you might be. Maybe I, but here, you know, here's the thing about it. I don't care where someone descends from now, if you know, what would like, cause I hate false religion. I hate, a, I hate a religion that denies Christ. I don't hate, you know, so if some, if some Jew is uh, a Christian, I don't think any less of him because he's of Jewish descent, nor, nor do I think any more of him, you know? Right. And right. I, and the thing, but I do hate false religion. Okay. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people who I, I've, I've come across these people out soul winning who act like, you know, 
when, when we ask, try to give them the gospel, it's like, well, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm Catholic. They act like it's a racial thing that you can't change, you know, and yeah. I don't hate Catholics. I hate the religion, right. sure. but some, some people act like Catholicism is like a racial thing that are, yeah. that are from that world. It's like, oh, I can't, I'm Catholic. My family's Catholic. And so it's kind of like the Jews will respond the same. Well, I'm Jewish, but just like we all understand Catholic is not a racial thing. It's a religious thing. We've got to start seeing Judaism as the same thing. It's not a racial thing. It's a religious thing. I have no issue with the race. I have everything right. wrong with the religion because it is right. an antichrist religion. And so I don't care if some person is 100% white, 100% black. If he joins that religion, if they let him and is denying Christ, I'm against them. Yeah. So it's about it's about religion. But yet to just... Why do people feel the need it's a, to throw that out? It's, it's a virtue signal. And I, right. and I do feel like, and let me just say this too, and this might make some people mad. Baptists, because we, we kind of come from the Southern Baptists, you know, historically, and we kind of have a history that I think we're embarrassed of because there's, there's been a lot of racism in the Baptist world. And, uh, you know, especially in the South. And I, I almost think there's like this guilt and it's like, but there's like still some of it there. And so, what we've done is to prove we're not racist. We've like gone and just fully embraced a group whiter than we are, the Jews, while at the same time, then taking all our hate towards the Muslims. And there is a racism against the Muslims without a doubt. Just turn them into a parking lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's in our DNA. I'm just going to admit this. It's in our DNA to be racist as Baptist. It's wrong. It's wrong. I'm not. I, you know, uh, yeah, I, I I'm not. Bible college where you weren't allowed to, you know, interracial marriage. As mm-hmm. that, that, there's only one race. It's the human race. Right. Uh, but you know, and and uh, I, I, I think Bob Jones probably had that at one time until recent years. But they did. Uh, you know, I, I do appreciate Ken Ham's one blood. I, I know Ken Ham's not King James, but at least he came out with that one blood, and he he straightened that out, and I appreciate that, and also. Others, Ken Hovind and others, but um, yeah, we're not racist. I'm not racist, and, and I know Tom isn't in, in, in that way as far as black and white. Uh, but if if Tom's talking about me when he says anti-Semite, then I would say if you're going to call me an anti-Semite, but if you vote if you voted against Barack Obama or you're opposed to Barack Obama, then you're a racist. If if that if we can use that same that same rule book of calling me an anti-Semite. Cause that's, that's the same logic. All right. It's just dumb. Right. And so, yeah. but it's it, a, it's a label that they love to you. And, and that's how the Jews use it. That's how the media uses uh, it to, to shut you up is to just slap that label on. You. Yeah. So, and if, if he's not talking about us and he's got the names from other people, I, I'd like to hear their names. Cause I don't like anti-Semites and uh, I would like, I, I would like to check to see if that's actually true. Yeah. And so, uh, you, know, if, you know, if truly you haters, we need to, we need to call them out. Right. Yeah. And if, if they want to try the well, you know, you throw a rock into a pack of dogs and the one that yelps is the one that, you know, well, uh, here's the thing. We have been called anti-Semites by a lot of people, sure. not by not by any of these guys that I know of. But um, but again, I, I I I don't know. I'm not friends. I'm not. Let me say this. I'm not friends with any anti-Semites. And am I. I've only ever heard, you uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard some things that are like, oh, you're, you're pushing it. And I, I, I know of one example of a nut job who definitely crossed the line. I have nothing to do with people like that because, again, I, I don't have a racist, racist bone in my body. But 
Uh, it, yeah. But again, I've cleaned up the, I've cleaned up the, what was in me theologically that kind of had some of that there. And uh, dispensationalism helps keep racism alive. It really does. Right. Yeah. Dispensationalism is racist. Yes. It is prejudiced. Absolutely. Schofield was, obviously. Um, I know of a Palestinian Christian. I can give you his name. He has texted me, emailed me, and said, thank you, Pastor Furge, for helping me to understand I'm not a second-class citizen. Um, After reading this book, and I will say this about this book. I, I say a lot of negative things about the Jewish people and about the, the nation of Israel today. Because I want my independent Baptist, Bible-believing, evangelical brethren to understand this is what you're supporting, this evil that's over there. They have the number one uh, sodomite city in the world, Tel Aviv. Um, They've had abortions since 1948. It's always been legal and and funded. Um, And and Hollywood and and Disney, uh, they're controlled by, by Jewish groups and Jewish people. And so... I don't say all that because I'm anti-Semite. I say all that to try to wake the Christian up to say, stop supporting this. Stop saying this is God's chosen people, please. Not not because I hate them, but because I hate the lies and and the, and the false doctrine that's that's being promoted and the waste of time and money uh, that people are, are, are spending on a physical group of people that do not love Jesus Christ and should not be supported, let alone sending them Kevlar and flashlights for the machine guns and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm glad we're talking about this part because some people would say that that if I support Israel, I support everything they do. Well, I don't support no. everything anybody does, including myself. But we believe in the Abrahamic covenant. And we believe the, that it, it is an everlasting covenant. Therefore, we believe in the support of Israel. But that doesn't mean that, that we think that they're sinless, perfect, uh, that we support anything that they might that that a, that a Jewish person might do that that Israel as a whole might do, Israel as a whole does not believe that Jesus is, is the Messiah. No, they're living in rejection of him. Yeah, that's right. Right, exactly. Right. Exactly. There's so, historical precedent for Israel being out of the land, out from under God's blessing, and yet, you know, that's the whole book of Esther. Um, mm-hmm. They're in exile because of their sin, and yet miraculously they're delivered. You know, mm-hmm. we we discussed Habakkuk. And or Habakkuk, Habakkuk, one or the other, um, <laughs> and and he kind of he kind of has this conversation, and he says, "Lord, your people are sinning, judge them." And God says, "I'm going to judge them by you know by the Babylonians," and mm-hmm. and then Habakkuk kind of draws back at that, but ultimately, um, you know, God uses his means, but even then, though you know, Babylonians were judged for it. You know, they they were allowed to be a tool of persecution of Israel, but they weren't held faultless for it. I think and so I think a... even today you can say, well, I don't agree with everything Israel does. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge they're not in that covenant position with God that they once were and one day will be again. Um, yes. But I do I do support them. I think so there's some biblical tension. When you cite Esther and, and the Babylonian captivity, just remember, God had to keep the Jews intact because Jesus hadn't come yet. That's why that's why that was necessary. It isn't necessary today, except to fulfill prophecy concerning the whore of Babylon. But that isn't God. That's Satan and the Rothschilds and everything else. But but God had to keep Old Testament Israel, or at least the Judah, intact 
until Christ came on the scene, the last genealogy in the Bible. Right. Yeah. And the until the law was added because of transgression, until the uh, seed should come to whom the promises were made. And so we do. We see God do miraculous things, preserving His people. Because here's what here's what people won't define. It's like when they say they're the chosen people. Well, chosen for what? Now I can tell you exactly what they were chosen for in the Old Testament. They were chosen for one. They were committed the oracles of God, meaning the things of the temple. They had the they had the priesthood. The Messiah was promised to come from them as a people. Thus, you know, which would bring the sa- the payment for sin and offering for sin away to the Father, and all of those things were fulfilled, and they were fulfilled in Christ. So, guess what? God preserved them for what they were chosen for. Say, so, well, then had God cast them away? Is God done with them? Well, you know, God forbid. If they'll abide not still in unbelief, they can be saved. You know, and they can be they can be a part of that covenant, and they'll always just go. If they get saved, if they get saved they'll be the church. Right. And they're always like, well, as God cast them away, God forbid, they'll just they'll, they'll use that. And like they're still chosen to preserve the seed that already came to, you know, the oracles of God that have, have been melted and burned down at the destruction of the temple. You know, they're just they'll just take that phrase and then apply whatever they want to it. You can't do that. No, never Paul mind that the something. The first, church, the first church was Jews, right? <laughs> you yep. know, I mean, how, how do you have it both ways? Uh, how can you have it both ways? You can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, is they focus on the seeds instead of the seed. Right. That's because of Schofield and because right. of other Bible versions. And I, I know these men are all King James. They're not reading the other Bible versions, but the books they are reading are from men who are not using a King James Bible. Compare compare the dispensationalism and the, and the commentaries with the modern versions. Mm-hmm. And then you'll find out why the modern versions exist. The reason why uh, you have descendants in the New King James and and instead of seed is because Schofield's notes said it that way. Um, you 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 got to understand the the modern versions are are to the liking of people who have studied a theology versus just the Word of God, the King James, mm-hmm. and that's what my second book was about: is to you know what exactly are we following? Uh, what what do words mean? Tribulation and wrath are two different words. Uh, seed and seeds, Paul said, that's two different things. And uh, when we get away from the jot and tittles, and uh, and and we and we don't care about modern versions, as as the evangelical crowd has gone, and even a lot of IFB are starting to go to, then we we see what commentaries have done. But these guys, although these three men would say they're King James only, and I'm thankful for that, uh, they're still talking like modern versions. I mean, honestly, what they what they say they believe about Israel lines up more with another version of the Bible than the old King James. Well, the words and, of uh, God were meant to put thoughts in our mind. And when you yeah. read seed, okay, you know, it implies one. When you yeah. read descendants, it makes you think of something completely different. And, and the when other you say you instead of the right then you have either plural or singular and 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 that's what the mod, that's what you know new king james and others and and so i see it posted i i know an independent baptist preacher he married my wife and i he posted several years ago god's promise i will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you i said pastor that's not king james it's a v and he didn't like that 
mm. but it's true. And um, we, we, if you're going to be King James and you go back and you actually quote it word for word and you, you tell me word for word what the Bible says, and then I'll follow it. Yep. I'm yep. not going to follow it. Give it to me in, in some uh, watered down version. Yeah. Why does your thinking line up with other versions and is in yeah. opposition to the King James that you say that you right. that you believe in and that you follow? And I submit to you right. it's because you got your thinking from commentaries right. from books. So King James is just a springboard from what you're really teaching. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Between, here we go. Between understanding that God that Israel's living in rejection to Christ and so is under condemnation and judgment. At the same time, they are being providentially preserved because God has promised them some things they have not yeah. yet received. Mm -hmm. And it, the, the church is God's chosen people in this dispensation, but there's another sense, a real biblical sense, in which the Jews are still God's chosen people, mm -hmm. regardless of how they're living at the moment. They're still God's chosen people, and I must understand that as one of God's chosen people in the church, which means I will pray for them, I will view them, I will love them, the, the, the Abrahamic covenant, the blessings mm -hmm. to those that bless them and the curses to those that curse them, that's still fa a factual thing. Oh, yeah. I still want the blessing of God on my nation, on my people, for supporting that people. Okay, um, so that's, that's perhaps a whole nother. <laughs> okay. Let's right. see how long and you can we, handle it. <laughs> and, we, and, we're, and we're wondering why the Arabs don't like Christians. Yeah. We're wondering why the Arabs have a problem with this Christianity. Because they're still God's chosen people, even though they reject him, even though they reject Jesus Christ and make all kinds of uh, wicked things about Christ. They're God's chosen people. Whereas you have Arabs <laughs> who are much more respectful of Jesus Christ. Th this, is, this is why there is the tension that there is. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we, we, I want my nation to be blessed. I want my nation to be blessed. Well, Tom Brennan, in the last 75 years, has America been blessed like we were in the heritage in the early days of America? Good grief. There was an abortion in America 75 years ago, but there is now. Hollywood wasn't nearly as filthy as it is now. Don't tell me we have blessings on America because of what we're doing for Israel today. We're sending them $11 million every day, and we're not getting the blessings. Something ain't Something ain't calculating here. Well, it'd right? be a whole so, lot. It'd be a whole lot worse if we weren't doing it. <laughs> yeah, I will bless them to bless thee. That was to Abraham and his seed. That was to Jesus. When you're a blessing to Jesus Christ, you'll get blessed. Well, and, and did you hear what he was saying? That, you're a blessing to every Jew on planet Earth. There's no blessing in that. Well, he was saying that you know God has things that He still has to fulfill to them, to to, to them, right? Well, I would you tell us what that. Is. Yeah. So how about how about Hebrews eleven? Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac, Jacob, and his heirs of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Notice that Abraham, he looked for a city. Now, did he find it? Did, did he find that in his lifetime? Did he receive it? No. Abraham. Abraham did not receive those things yet, but Abraham will receive those things in, in, in the millennium. There is a millennium. And this is what, but the thing is, when they talk about the millennium, it's so God can do something for an ethnicity that's identified by their unbelief in Christ. No, 
It's going to be fulfilled to the very people it was promised to, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus said that they're going to come from the north and the east and the west, and they're going to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. But the children of the kingdom are going to be thrust out. He said it, and it's in more than one gospel. The children will be cast out. Right. So I I said that years ago, and somebody that was attending our church for a while didn't like it. I just read it from the Bible. <laughs> you know, that's what the Bible, that's what Jesus said. Right? How about, I guess, I guess Jesus was anti-Semite. Well, How about that? John the Baptist said they were a generation of vipers. Well, was Jesus, was Jesus a liar? Did Jesus break his promise to Israel when he gave that parable? And he said, bring those before me that would not, that I should reign over them and slay them before me. Ouch. That was, uh, that, that was rough stuff. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, no, they pick and choose the promises. But here's the thing. We all agree God always keeps his promises. Here's where we're disagreeing on what the terms and conditions of those tr- promises are. And right. let's have an honest conversation about that. Let, How you can know, you have an everlasting promise for people who are not everlasting? It just, right. you can't. Right. The only, people that can, the only people that can receive an everlasting promise are the people who have everlasting life. That's us. End of story. That's the church of people. Yeah. Safe. Yep. All right, here we you, go. You read, Hebrews, you read Hebrews 11 about Abraham looked for a city. It goes on to say, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And we know there's a new Jerusalem. There's a heavenly Jerusalem. That's the one we're looking for. I said it in church uh, this last Sunday, uh, I don't want that real estate over there. It's a mess. It, you know, there's there's tombs upon tombs upon tombs of bodies buried on the on Mount of Olives. Um, there's so much bloodshed and there's so much turmoil and there's so much strife and there's so much anti-Christ on, on all sides. I, I, that's not the real estate. But I'm looking for a heavenly city. I'm doing what Abraham's doing. I'm, I'm looking ahead to the new Jerusalem. And uh, this dispensationalism is still pointing to the old Jerusalem, which now is, which is in bondage with her children, as Galatians 4 says. Yep, yep. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. But they're going to receive them. But having Amen. seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. And notice this is the hall of faith, as they call it. People of faith, they're the ones that receive it. And this is written to Hebrews. This is is written to Jews. And the end of the chapter, it says, and they without us are not made perfect. In other words, they're not complete until we are part of them. Right. We're all together. And he warns them about what's going to happen if they don't receive this covenant. And people, often they make the mistake of reading this as it's written to like this New Testament church. And therefore, this is showing they could lose their salvation. No, this is showing Jews that you can lose your inheritance, that you know you can lose the the things of uh, of God if you do not follow after Christ and believe on yeah, Him. People, people have a hard time with Hebrews because of eternal security doctrine, which is correct. But they need to understand if they would understand the context, if they would understand what we're talking about today. This was written to the Hebrews. We right. need to understand that you will not get what you think you're getting. If you don't understand Christ and how he is the access to the promises, mm-hmm. well, uh, he's, he, he's the only way. Hebrews, I believe, has some of the most clear-cut, indisputable 
versus proving eternal security. But because people don't understand that that covenant of works, that covenant of the circumcision, that covenant of the law, you can get cut off from those things. You can lose those things. And the solution, it's faith in Christ. It's it's faith in the, the new priest after the order of Melchizedek, not the Levitical priest, after the new sacrifices, the better sacrifices. That is the key. And the writer of Hebrews is imploring these Hebrews to embrace and to embrace this and to follow Christ without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city. We seek one to come. Stop fighting for Jerusalem. There's nothing for you there. My advice to the Jews is walk away from Israel. But I, and my, or the, or the, or the Muslims. Just, yeah, just God turned either it into way. heaps and dens of dragons for a reason. He was done with it. And it, if he does anything with it, it, it will be when he returns then and until then forget it forget that land just move on but anyway let's keep going discussion but okay so they're under both the judgment and the protection of god at the same time but understanding that they ultimately will again be god's chosen people drives my support of them and not my condemnation of them and not my they're not written off they're 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 still very much in god's plan and I want to be in on what yeah. God's doing. I want to support what God's doing. And I see and a lot of apathy. You know, those who believe that the church has replaced Israel, that Israel has no right to the land that they currently inhabit. Um, I've seen people say, no, I don't want to see them hurt. But ultimately, it's it's like, you know, any other country in the world, they've got no particular rights to the land. And so they may not be against Israel, but they're apathetic. And I think that's a... N- not a good place to be. We should love um, what God loves, and God loves Israel. Right. So let me yeah. ask you, what's, what's your perspective on Zechariah 12, where it says, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Is that, I believe, is that prophetic? Uh, yes, it, it gets fulfilled yeah. at the end of the tribulation period. There's there two go. earthly purposes mm-hmm. for the tribulation. One is for God to pour his wrath out upon rebellious man, but the other is to prepare Israel to receive him when he comes the second time. Mm. So when he came the first time, he came into his own, and his own received him not. When he comes the second mm-hmm. time, they'll receive him because they will have just bet on the Antichrist, put all their chips on the on the table on him. He turned out to be the horrendous opposite of what they wanted. He then persecuted them worse than Hitler did during the Holocaust. And when Jesus comes back the second time, their heart will be turned toward him, as Jeremiah expresses in that new covenant passage, as Paul reiterates in Hebrews chapter number eight, um, that they, they will accept him and they will love him when he comes the second time. That's what Zechariah is talking about in that passage. Okay, except for one is... thing, Zechariah chapter 12 was quoted in John 19. Uh, they'll look on him whom they have pierced. John 19, John quoted Zechariah 12. Apparently, John did not read a Schofield Bible. Apparently, he's not up to date. You know, if John had been a Schofield dispensationalist, John would have never have quoted Zechariah 12 in reference to the crucifixion. Uh, Re- Zechariah 12 is past tense. Uh, I don't believe Zechariah 12 is is future. Uh, but if you're dispensational, you got to ignore what what inspired writing from John uh, says. And it's not just John. Uh, I think it's also uh, Matthew that also quoted uh, from Zechariah as well concerning. Um, Christ's crucifixion in chapter 13. 
smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered and I'll turn my hand upon the little ones. This this is also quoted in, from Matthew as being fulfilled. So I think Zechariah 12 and 13 are fulfilled. And I think chapter 14 is still future and is the actual wrath of God, the day of the Lord. You, mm. You'd heard Tom Brennan equate wrath and tribulation as the same. That's what I was saying earlier. And, and wrath and tribulation are two different words. Uh, but but when you're dispensational, you're pre-trib, then tribulation and wrath get blended as a synonym. Well, and, and did you hear all the stuff that he was just saying? And, and I get they're doing a podcast. They're trying to cover a lot of stuff. But I, I, right. I'm, I'm saying this just because I know they can't do it. But he's ba- practically quoting you know, dispensational books and, and, and come and connecting scriptures in a very yeah. faulty way, but in a way that many theologians have to advance and prop up an easily debunked doctrine. It's like, have you, have you not read the new Testament? Jesus came well, and did all these things. And, well, and here's Tom, Tom is very well read on a lot of things. I, I'm not going to deny he's that. reading the However, wrong people though. He's regurgi- yeah. He's regurgitating stuff. He's read, but he's forgetting that the Bible trumps all that. Hmm. And, and I, I have books on the shelf behind me and some of them I've never read and might never read. Uh, but it's not as important to me as what does the inspired word of God say? I have to read that and that alone is my final authority. And um, when you, when you allow these other things to get to brainwash you, then you can't see the forest for the trees. And like I said earlier, you're laying your dispensational grid across your Bible, and that's how you're reading it. Yeah, yeah, very painful. All right, let's keep going here. Is Ezekiel 37, is that prophetic as well, of future events, or has that already been fulfilled? The dry bones, and it, does that have to do with what you what you just spoke of, or would you say that that's already been? I think to say that it's already been fulfilled is problematic, again, because uh-huh. the juice could be driven off of the land and be brought back. Right. Um, I don't think you can say that's been fulfilled completely until mm-hmm. until the millennium. I yeah, don't think you can know for sure. That, that's it, where it, I would run on that. I, I think it's a thus saith the Lord God, to be... Real quick, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. That's the, that's the part that makes me feel like that's yet to come. Well, it's... You know, i, I got to stop it here because... Remember they talked about the everlasting covenant earlier? We covered it in, in the right. previous one. And he talked about right. that terminology being used to the Bible. Let me read a passage from the Dry Bones Prophecy where it talks about the everlasting covenant. It says in Ezekiel 37, 26, Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It should be an everlasting covenant with them. And talk about Israel. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also should be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Now, I submit to you that these prophecies will have a fulfillment, but these prophecies, as given, had contingencies on them, and Israel they killed the Messiah. They rejected the Messiah. They have not believed on Christ, and these these are old covenant prophecies that will find its fulfillment through the new and better covenant with new and better promises. And proof of this, here we see God making a covenant with them, Israel, putting this tabernacle in the midst of them, Israel. The heathen were going to know. Well, and it was going to be that way 
forever. But what do you do when you get to uh, Revelation 21 in verse yeah. 3? It says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That's not just Israel. This actually sounds better. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. He goes on later and says, And I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. So understand, there is a difference between Old Testament eschatology and what I would call New Testament eschatology. The Old Testament eschatology, it had certain contingencies and things in there to uh, a physical people, to a nation. They broke the covenant. They failed. Jesus Christ came in and he fulfilled those things under the new and better covenant and made provision not just for Gentiles, but the provisions that were made for Gentiles are what enable Israel to still be saved in spite of all of their breaking of the covenants and the fact that they are also sinful. So the thing is, what's what's the big deal? How, how do you have God exclusively dwelling with Israel, putting his tabernacle in Israel forever? And then in Revelation, he's doing it with men forever. Unless, unless the only men there are the saved, which then would be the true spiritual Israel. And that's what Revelation 21 says. And, and there, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and I will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. See, that's the fulfillment. But see, you have to believe and understand the spiritual Israel is the true Israel to, 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 to really uh, <clears throat> understand what Ezekiel was saying back there and, and, to, and to, not, to not go against the word of God. You must understand the spiritual Israel is the true Israel. You have to understand that. Otherwise, you, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth like these dispensational men are doing today. Yep. And what, what everybody needs to get a hold of is there are different kinds of prophecy. Revelation is a prophecy that after it's given, it specifically says, right, for these words are true and faithful. Some prophecies are written like this is going to happen and nothing can change that. Some prophecies are warnings. Some prophecies are if you do this bad thing, this bad thing is going to happen to you. Other prophecies are if you do this good thing, this good thing will happen to you. Well, many of the Old Testament prophecies have those contingencies, especially in Zechariah, especially in Ezekiel, and nobody pays attention to what they were supposed to do, and nobody asks the question, well, did they do it? And often... What we see with those prophecies is they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And everyone ignores the prophecies of doom and gloom that were promised that actually came and many were fulfilled in 70 AD. And everybody just sees the good one. And it, it's like it has to happen. The way I illustrated somebody in my church, it would be like if I was leaving my house for the evening with my wife and I tell my kids before I leave, I, I prophesy to them. And I say, I see children, you know, excited to meet their father as he drives down the driveway because he comes bearing gifts and candy because those kids behave. Those kids listen to their older brothers and sisters. Those children did not fight while their dad was away and they received him with great excitement and joy and blessings because of their obedience. But I also 
see children weeping and crying in fear as their father approaches. Because these children did not do what their father said. They hit their brother and sisters. They, you know, they didn't listen. They trashed the house. They did all these terrible things. And when their father approaches, they are met with spankings and there is weeping and gnashing of, of teeth. And then it would be like if my kids are, I'm giving two possibilities. Which one do you right. like better? The one with the gifts or the ones with the spankings? And then sure. if I give those prophecies to my children and they're bad, and then I come home, it's like you prophesied and you promised blessings and candy and hugs and all these things. It's like, no, that was if you obey. And so we see those prophecies in the Old Testament. You say, well, they're never going to be fulfilled. Well, many of those things are going to have a fulfillment, but it's not going to be through physical people. It's going to be through Christ. And so you've got to sort that out when you're looking at prophecy. It's not just somebody looking to a crystal ball saying this is exactly what's going to happen. No, these there's options in these prophecies, and everyone ignores that. And in the end, even if Jews uh, unsaved disobeyed God, he's still going to have an Israel, and he's still going to keep his promise to Abraham. But that has to be through salvation in Christ. That has to be now in the dispensational age of the church. That has to be now. That and I, I'm saying that facetiously, but that right. has to be. That has to be today. That has that. That's not a future tribulation period that someone has made up. That's a now. That's a, that's a here and now. We're, we're, we're in tribulation times right now. We need to recognize that. And now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. That's the message to the unsaved Jew and to the Arab. Get saved. And like you said earlier, forget the real estate. We're, there's a new heaven and a new earth coming. Uh, that, let's, let's, just, let's just focus on Christ. That's the message of the Christians. Not Let's turn them into a parking lot. Let's send one side lots of bombs and Kevlar and weapons to help beat up the other side. No, let's just let's just focus on Christ. And instead of sending money, how about we send the gospel? How about we just focus on that? Uh, and and th that's that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what He gave us the assignment to do. That's the mandate we have: to preach the gospel to every creature, not dispensational Zionism to every creature. Yep, yeah. My message is would be: Hey, let me tell you about a better country, with a better with better promises, better sacrifices, better priesthood, a better yeah. Messiah. It's called the book of Hebrews, but all right, let's keep listening. I think you can maybe see stages of it there, the way that the bones gather together, then the sinews and everything. But again, ultimately it's prophecy and um, to, you know, say that it's now, or, and, you know, even to say too definitively that it could be a stage, you know, thing that happens in stages is you can end up in problems. I think it is, again, it's interesting. I think it's possible that what we're seeing now, are the pieces of the puzzle coming together, but there's no guarantees. Um, so, it's, it's, it's got to be prophecy until we see it absolutely unrevo un, unrevocably. Irrevocably. 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 It's Absolutely. fascinating. It's amazing it's, the guy who's English has a hard time with it, but yes, go ahead. With, with English. It's, it's fascinating from a societal, from a historical standpoint, to see a, an ethnicity that used to be a nation driven away from their land two millennia ago, restored mm -hmm. to the land as a national entity. I don't know of another example of that in the entirety of human history. No. And so mm -hmm. you look at that, and however you want to slice that up, I don't believe in extra-biblical revelation, but I do believe God is at work. And so I look right. at that and I say, how can I deny that God is at work? Obviously, he's preserving these people, protecting these people. 
And however that shakes out, ultimately, the fact is that God is still at work with the Jewish people. I don't know how you can deny that. Mm-hmm. Can I stop? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so getting. So remember, the church is called the mystery. Church is referred to as a mystery. But Revelation also says that the whore of Babylon is a mystery Babylon. And what he's saying is it's a mystery. How, how, well, yeah, but it's not the church. They admit that Jews aren't church. And what modern day Judaism is, what modern day Israel is, is the mystery Babylon. That's the mystery part of it. And um, that's why it's a phenomenon. They admit, Tom admits that 1948 isn't really a fulfillment because it's not. But what, what she is, is the whore. And in the end, as I've written, there are two women. There's the bride and the whore. And everybody's either one or the other. And uh, that's the message that needs to be shared. You're either a part of the bride or you're part of the whore. So I agree that there's two separate groups here, but they're not both God's chosen. Mm -mm. No. One was offered to be the wife and rejected him. And she's the whore. And the bride are those who accept him. And that's it. It's two women. They're both both called mystery. Uh, But in the end, the bride wins, the bride lives, and the whore is going to be destroyed. Amen. God's got one people. The current events and how we view them, you know, there there needs to be an understanding, too, I think, of of our our responsibility currently as the church. So not as Israel, but but as the church. I think, number one, we've already established that it is incumbent upon Christians and believers um, to to support Israel uh, and to support the covenant. Right. And to 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 um, bless them and, and all that the Bible teaches us to do. Um What's going on in the Middle East right now? Okay, you've got Hamas, you've got Hezbollah, now they're involved, you've got Iran, you've got Lebanon and Jordan, you've got all these surrounding areas. Um, so there, there's, there are several responsibilities that we have. One, I think we should seek out the truth of what is actually taking place. And, and, and so Hamas and all of these terrorist attacks, you know, I would say fortunately, not, not fortunately in that I'm glad they happened, but I'm saying for our sake now that they have happened, we do have quite the evidence that they were brutal uh, terroristic attacks against civilians, wicked, horrible, terrible things that took place. Um, At the same time, I'm reminded of my friend who died in the Middle East a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, who gave his life to give the gospel to Muslim people. And so Mm -hmm, while, while I am, for instance, I told our church, I said, it's not wrong to pray for the defeat of Israel's enemies. You know, the imprecatory psalms, I think, are a good example of that. Break the arm of the enemy. And I want I want them to be defeated. I want Israel to remain victorious, even in the current conflict. I also want to see Muslim people saved and come mm-hmm. to Christ. And I don't want to see Christianity become one-sided where we divert our mission away from the Great Commission. And so that that was something I just felt like we needed to we needed to insert into this conversation, and that is that you know, as a people, we ought to be sending more to the Middle East, and and it's going to take people with courage and boldness, and uh, strategy and and care and compassion, in order to do that. So, for what that's worth. So, can I stop? Mm-hmm. So, I just had a guy call me yesterday, and he is very incensed. He said, "I grew up Independent Fundamental Baptist." He said, "I'm King James only." He said, "But I am very upset at at the one sidedness of all this." 
he said, I, I, I am burdened for the Palestinian people. I, I, I wonder if God is calling me to be a missionary to Palestine. I said, praise the Lord, if that's the case, you know, um, and, and it, it'd be hard to support a Palestinian missionary because how could you even get money to him? You know, how could he even get in there? Uh, and how long would he last before he get blown up? I don't know, but um, because it's such a mess over there. But I agree with what Stephen Russ said that we need to focus on both sides. And I'm glad he said that. However, he, he still says, but we need to support Israel. No, we need to support Jesus Christ, who is the original Israel. We need to follow him and, and not pick sides at all. And this podcast they're doing is not helping what he's saying now mm -hmm. uh, because he's, he has picked one side. Um, and, and I've said, I've said this, if I was called, if God wanted me to go to an Arab nation and God wanted me to go to, you know, Iran, Iraq, uh, you know, wherever, um, and, 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 and preach the gospel, I would not want anybody over there to connect me to any of these independent fundamental Baptists. Mm, no way. I, I do not want them to, to think that I have any connection to them because I don't agree. And uh, I, I love people, period. I am not a racist at all. When I was in Israel on a tour, I gave out gospel tracts. The leader of our tour said, you probably shouldn't give out any gospel tracts. Well, you know what? I'd already bought them. And I, my plan was to, why, why, why shouldn't I? I'm not going to go all the way halfway around the world and not give the gospel. Uh, and, and so sharing, sharing the gospel is something we're mandated to do to everybody. And I do not look at a Jew differently than a Palestinian or an Arab. I do not look at either side differently. And our church is not taught to do that. And uh, these guys are shooting themselves in the foot. If Stephen really means what he says. He's shooting himself in the foot to swallow the dispensational Zionism of supporting one side. And he needs to stop. He needs to wake up. Hopefully he'll listen to this and think about it. What harm are we doing when we say neither side is right? Let's just preach the gospel. What harm are we doing? We're not doing anyone any harm. It's just that they're afraid they're going to miss out on some kind of blessing if they if they don't support Israel, mm -hmm. and that's that's just a crock. It's 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 garbage, and it certainly has turned Arabs against Christianity. And I hope that our conversation gets into that side of the world that they hear and understand that not all of us are the same. Not all of us are thinking the same on this. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. just oops, hang on. Yeah, a I think theologically I you can that. say this is what I believe um, prophetically. Yeah, I just want to say too though that. As an American, I am concerned about what's going on because I think it could result in a lot of Palestinians coming to America, and I don't think that will be good for our country. And so as an American, I'm, very, I'm concerned about that. I don't like that. I don't want it to happen. As a Christian, I care very much about the Palestinian people. I know I'm probably not going to go over there and be able to give them the gospel, but if I find out they come out here, I will try to give them the gospel. I will... Amen take advantage of that opportunity. Just this year, we went to a, I mean, like 99% Muslim area and went soul winning. It was an interesting experience and we didn't get anybody saved, but we tried, you know, we, we, we tried and we were kind and it was, it was sincere because we do, we are mandated to give the gospel to every creature. And so if we're getting in the middle of and taking sides in a war between two evils yeah. and picking sides between two evils, then I don't think that's going to help our Christian cause. And so the, the thing is, I don't get that upset at Americans and Republicans who want to stand with our ally in the Middle East for whatever reason. 
But I have a real problem with Christians acting like we are mandated based on the Abrahamic everlasting covenant, as they're referring to, to support them, to support that nation. Absolutely not. As an American, if you want to, whatever. As a Christian, absolutely not. Uh, and so, and you can call it apathetic, whatever you want. I'm staying out of that. I, I, I hate what's happening on both sides. I think I, I agree with everything negative they've said about Hamas and about the Palestinians. But I also um, you think Israel's pretty bad themselves, too. Probably not as bad. So, But uh, we've still got uh, maybe 10 minutes of this. Let's see if we can just see how long we can handle uh, getting through some of this. Because uh, they, they've, they do say some more good stuff that I guess we would kind of agree with. But let's, let's, let, let's see what they have to say. I understand. Yes. Um, politically, there's a lot going on, and, and we may get into that more. But none of that is questioning our responsibility to send missionaries around the world, regardless of, of uh, the politics or the culture or whatever else it may be. And there are a great many missionaries. I know missionaries in England who disagree with everything about the, well, I say everything, but, uh, you know, the, the culture and the politics and different things. Yes, we mustn't there, exaggerate. We must always speak very specifically. No sarcasm allowed. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't do sarcasm. Um, you know, I know missionaries in Russia, uh, and they by no means have any sympathies with Soviet or communist politics, but they're there to give the gospel to the Russian people. Mm -hmm. So none of this is, none of that's in question. My heart hurts for the, for the Muslim people. They are living in the judgment of God. They have violated so much of the Word of God that God has removed the Word of God from them. That There's a mm -hmm. famine in them of hearing the Word of God. I think Amos speaks to that. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, is not ethnic. It's not isolated just to Muslim people. But you look at their societies and their cultures and their countries around the world of these of these 90%, 95%, 99% Muslim countries, mm -hmm. and they are just brutal places. They are absent grace. They are absent truth. They're absent mercy. They're absent love. And I hurt for those people. I just mm -hmm. do. Yeah. The, the average yeah. person on the street is, um, you know, of, of you know Palestine or wherever you look at it, you know, they, they may have voted into power a terrible government, but a, a lot of what they've been told is a lie. Um, yes. You know, they, they're working off of false information. They, you know, so there's all that. Um, but again, the average person on the streets in Palestine has been, taken advantage of and they are just pawns in the hands of of their leaders the mm -hmm. one of the former leaders of hamas has been routinely you know quoted recently saying that israel believes in life we believe in death and they make no um yeah. they, they don't try to get away from the fact that they believe that when their people die they die as martyrs so that's why they'll launch attacks from a hospital you know they, they'll mm -hmm. put the very military headquarters in a hospital basement yeah. Um, and how do you how do you respond to that? Do you just keep getting attacked, uh, or, or do you say, "Well, that's where you've put your your military personnel, and either we let our people die, or you use your people as human shields, and you're to answer for it." Um, yeah. You know. The, well, it's like the the statement that's going around, right? If Hamas laid down their weapons right now, there would be peace. If Israel laid down their weapons right now, they'd be dead. Mm -hmm. Um. It, it is. It, it is it, something. In in and this is. Are you guys uh, up for a discussion on just war theory or? <laughs> sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we should have researched yeah. it, but yes. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't researched it. Yet it's either. not an even thing. It's not like okay, well, you know, both of them have their place, and because Hamas is not conducting itself according mm-hmm. to the according to acceptors' standards of moral behavior in war, and mm-hmm. not only did they start it, no. but they started it brutally, murdering innocent people by the hundreds, right? And they're hiding themselves amongst their civilian population, as Martin referenced, and so. It's not that okay. Well, Israel gets to turn now, and then everybody needs to shut up. It, it's not a. It's not that there. There's even problems on both sides. It's not just politically yeah. speaking. I need to respond to this because um, this did not start on October seventh. Okay? Right. This started seventy-five years ago, and, and, and even before that. And here, here's the way I like to explain it uh, when it comes to the conflict in Israel. Obviously, October seventh ignited some things. But we on on my program, we were talking about um, stuff that was going on back in April with the storming of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And I'm like, this is huge. You know what's what's happening. This is a big deal that's going to have major repercussions. It just took several months. They had to wait for Biden to give six billion dollars to Iran for it to happen. But they when they originally launched that attack, it was in response. Now, their response is horrible. You know, you don't go killing kids and raping women and war and things like that. You know, obviously that's terrible, but here's what you have to understand. It's it's like, you know, the San Andreas Fault. Everybody's like, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when there's going to be an earthquake. And it's the same thing too. In Israel, it's, it's a very tense situation where both sides do not agree with what is going on. Now, I don't know that if this is possible. I don't know enough about these things scientifically, but if there was something you could do to trigger an earthquake and get the San Andreas doing something, you know, that would be a very terrible thing for someone to go and cause that to happen, you know, before the time. And often because there's so much hostility religiously, politically, and everything between the Israelis and Palestinians, there are people, especially within the Israeli government and um, who push and prod and do things to rile up the Palestinians who are able to be riled up and do crazy things. because And here's what a lot of people don't understand, too. Earlier this year, around that time in the spring, there were major protests. Our media was not covering at all. There were major protests going on in Tel Aviv and all over Israel over Netanyahu somehow weaseling his way back in to being the prime minister of Israel. There is a lot of um, instability in their government right now that has that the the reality is it's not because of the Palestinians it's because most Israelis most Jews are not Zionist and they right. understand that Netanyahu is a Zionist and the right. things that he is doing the stuff they're doing to the Pal- a lot of Israelis want to live peacefully with the Palestinians and could yeah. but the, yeah. their government won't let that happen can it, I, can I mm-hmm. so on October 8th, that Sunday morning, when I heard what had happened, I, I was like, oh, man, you know, why would they why would they kill all these these young Jewish people? Um, they're going to just pay for it. Gaza is just going to turn into a parking lot. And then I and then I remembered that the Mossad, the Mossad motto is by deception, we make war. And there's something called false flag. False flag is when 
you dress up like somebody else and you commit atrocities and then it gets blamed on somebody else. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But here's then then I thought this. This is what I thought after that. This is Sunday morning before I'm going to church. I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Israeli government is the most sophisticated spy organization in the world. They know everything. How in the world did this happen? How in the world did did this massacre happen without them having some kind of clue and without them reacting faster? There's a clip. I played it last Wednesday night in our church service. Um, I, I, I talked about this whole issue. And I played a clip from Charlie Kirk, who's in charge of the Turning Point USA. I don't agree with a lot of his stuff. but uh, And he's, I think, even backpedaled a little bit what he, what he said. But he said this that week. He said, he said, there's no way. He said, how in the world could Israel not know this was coming? He said, it takes 45 minutes to fly a helicopter from Tel Aviv or Jerusalem down to Gaza. Why did it take them eight hours to, to, to respond to this massacre? He said, it's interesting to me that Benjamin Netanyahu is about to be thrown out of office. It's interesting to me that that very day there was going to be demonstrations in the street. That Netanyahu had just a few months earlier had pretty much trashed the Constitution and had changed ju the judicial system over there. So guess who's the luckiest man alive now? Benjamin Netanyahu, because he gets to stay in power. So would it not be in his best interest to force the nation to have to unite to fight this terrible tragedy, if it really was a true terrorist tragedy? There's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And a lot of people are questioning how, and even people in Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem Post, a lot of people are questioning how this could have happened in the first place without them knowing, because they know everything. They keep tabs on all of the activities of the terrorists and, and, and their, their neighbors. I'm not excusing Palestine. I'm not excusing terrorism. I'm just saying there's, there's, there's stuff going on here that a lot of educated people are saying, hold it, hold it, hold it. This doesn't make any sense. And think back to the riots in America a few years ago. We all know that George Soros and company we're sending people from out of town into these cities to riot. And it wasn't even the locals. It was, it was manufactured riots. Well, how, who's to say that what happened wasn't manufactured riots and that most of the Palestinians had nothing to do and didn't know anything about it. And now they're getting blown to bits for it. Mm -hmm. And that's what's sad about all this. Can I fix it? Can you fix it? No. That's why we got to preach the gospel to every creature and quit this taking sides because both sides, like you said, are wrong. John R. Rice said it, 1948 was, was a bad thing. It was not a good thing that the confiscation of land, the taking over of people's houses, bulldozing people's houses and just destroying homes and destroying lives and destroying families. It just, it just intensifies the situation. And so it's back and forth, it's back and forth, it's back and forth. And, um, and, and there's so much evil, Hezbollah, Hamas, Mossad, they're all deceptive liars. They are, and you can't trust any of them. It's not one side versus the other. The only thing I can trust is the Bible. I can't trust the media. You know who owns most of the media? Do you think the Palestinians get a fair shake when it comes to media and, 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 and even reporting? You, you can't trust the media to tell you the whole story. I'm not saying they're telling you lies. I'm just telling you they're not always telling you the whole story or the other side of the story. So, yeah, I, 
I totally agree, and I'm glad you stopped it because I was thinking the same thing. Is that is that you you first of all you get you get a dispensational view, so Israel's always right. Then when you have this come up, then you say, well, we you know we we still got to preach the gospel to them, but boy, they're wrong and they're just wicked. Listen, both sides are wicked. Um, both sides need the gospel, and neither side has the New Testament. Neither side has the truth. It's not like Israel has the truth and the Arabs don't. Both sides need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and both of them reject it. Yep. Yeah, and most people are not aware. When I hear these people say, you know, like they just unprovoked, okay? There's no excuse for cutting off babies' heads if that happened and rape. There's no excuse for that. But everybody knows that in that prison city was a bunch of crazy animals, you know, for one. But, again, this conflict... It's been going on for a very long time, and yes, people don't realize Netanyahu. Act, I mean, there were there were violent protests going on in Tel Aviv with not from Palestinians, because the Israeli people they yeah. they don't like this stuff. They don't like yeah. Zionism. Yeah, My, I I have a pastor friend who told me years ago, like twenty years ago, he said late at night I was down in 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 the Jerusalem. It might have been the Jewish quarter, but he said. He said, I, I watched Jews and Arabs playing cards together. You know, just the regular Joes on the street. They, it's not them. It's the governments. It's the, it's the, it's the puppet masters that are doing this. And, and uh, we, don't, we don't see that. We don't realize that. We don't, we don't comprehend that a lot of times. It's the activists. And, yeah. and, and, and typically, right. And, and even in, so even in, in the spring when they had that uh, raid on the Al-Aqsa Mosque that none of these guys obviously – are familiar with the people that started all that uh, with the Muslims were not locals. I, I forgot where they were from, but it was, it was a group from one of the other Muslim countries. This was a radical group and came there and they decided we're going to break the rules uh, and they, and they stayed past the time they were supposed to stay in the mosque and the Israeli police got involved and beat the tar out. A lot of them came into the mosque. So the thing is you did, you had people from outside of Jerusalem, from another country, come in, provoked the Israelis. The Israelis came in, you know, and then just, you know, which in they knew would infuriate the Muslims to have a bunch of Israelis come in to file one of their holy sites. So the thing is, these most of these people living over there, they are they are just under the bondage of corrupt government leaders, and Netanyahu is as rotten as any of them and the his and the people in that country don't like them but we don't understand the politics of israel yeah. it's it's very I complicated people, i challenge people listening to us to go back and dig into this and, mm -hmm. and see about what's been going on in, in jerusalem israel netanyahu and the, and the government in the last yeah, pre-october yeah pre-october a lot and, has and happened also, yep and, and 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 netanyahu was about to lose his power and possibly get thrown in prison i mean, he, I mean there are people that consider him a criminal but anyhow yep. uh, he's basically been a dictator really um but i was going to say you mentioned the prison city gaza has been an open air prison yep they can't yep. escape by sea they're not allowed to go more than a few hundred yards out in the ocean and in the mediterranean they can't go north they can't go south they can't go west east they, they they can't go they can't go anywhere they are truly just there and people say well why don't the arabs just let them look there's there's so much politics involved with this and, and the Jordanians and, and Egypt and, and everything that they 
there's so much behind the scenes that I don't think we understand. But the point is, is there are people who are locked into a place called Gaza and they can't get out. And after a while, you, you go nuts. You, you go crazy. If you're locked in a prison that you didn't that you didn't deserve to be in, you're, you're, you, you are going to lose it. And, and I do believe that it wouldn't be hard for some agitators to go in there and find people that are willing to fight to the death. Because if you were if you were stuck in a in, a, in solitary confinement and you wanted the world to get you want to get the attention of the world. Well, here's one way to do it, I guess. And and I'm not sympathize, sympathizing with what they did or saying it's okay. I'm just saying that I feel like that we don't get the whole picture when it comes to what's really going on over there and the, and the hatred and the angst that the Palestinians have for how they've been treated and how they've been. Uh, it's, a, <clears throat> it's apartheid. And it, it's like a Berlin Wall that separates the countries. And, 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 and like... <clears throat> Like somebody said, in fact, it was a Jew, it was a, a Jewish man in Canada who, who considers himself to be a Holocaust survivor. He said this, he said, if you see Chinese people standing in Beijing and defying the tanks that are running them over, you call them heroes. If, if you see other people standing up, the Ukrainians standing up or whatever against Russia, you call them heroes. But if you see Palestinians throwing rocks at Israeli soldiers, you call them terrorists. And that was from a Jewish man who, who is very sympathetic with the Palestinian cause. And by the way, like you said, there are a lot of Jews who do not agree with the government and are very sympathetic and very angry at the Zionism and the Zionist movement and what, what it's doing. Because it's, it's, it's wicked, it's wrong. There's a lot of IDF soldiers that are suffering uh, conscientiousness, uh, you know, guilt, and, and they refuse to go over Gaza anymore in, in, in their flights and the, the planes and and to, and to fight because of what they know what's what's going on. And I'm not saying it's all Israel's fault. I'm just saying that we need to stop stay, taking sides. If if I could see my independent Baptist brethren and my evangelical Christian brethren quit taking sides with Israel, I'll shut up about this. All right. But as long as as long as I keep saying I stand with Israel, I'm going to keep posting I stand with Jesus. Yeah. Well, and let me just say this too. And we're, you know, there's about seven minutes left. I think I'll leave a link to the whole thing so people can go listen. I don't think there was much that great uh, left to be said, and, and we're out of time. But let me explain it this way: like, what percentage of the Palestinians do you think are the crazy, violent ones? Obviously, I think it's probably a minority. I also believe it's their government is is definitely bad. Well, what if Russia? decided to just start attacking America and making America a parking lot because our government's super wicked. We've got drag queens. We've got gay marriage. We've got abortion. We butcher our own babies. And they're like, man, that's a disgustingly immoral country. And you know what? They would be right. But is it fair? Because there's a bunch of us that are against that. We stand against it. And we're not for it. We do nothing to support it. We don't deserve to die. And and to think and you know and if Russians were over there cheering us on, yeah, get those you know homo supporters, you know, get those people who let drag queens molest children and all that stuff. You know, we would be like, no, that's not fair. We don't deserve this. And so yeah. ba when Baptists are cheering this on, they're doing the same thing, and they have no idea. Most uh, most of the Israelis, again, Netanyahu, he did. He got, he hit the lottery. If this attack was spontaneous and no one saw it coming boy did he get lucky because that saved his yeah. bacon because he was about to go he he already did kind of go and 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 weasel his way back in 
But you've got to understand their system they have over there. It is. It's very complicated, and they have been in turmoil, not because of the Palestinians, because of the Zionism, because of Netanyahu. He is a terrible leader, and our country loves him. And our government loves him. And Baptists love him because he's for Israel, and they have no idea all the Jews that are against him that do not support Zionism. I'm afraid these people are... I don't I don't believe any of these men are stupid. I believe they're intelligent men, but I believe they're ignorant about many things politically in Israel, about many things religiously, and many things concerning the scriptures too. And I think they need to do a little bit of homework. And uh, and and I'd be glad to talk to them personally. You know, I wasn't able to private message the other guys. I I, I gave Tom Brennan my phone number if he wants to call me. If he just wants to rebuke me, that's fine. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, either way, they're all invited to come on this program, give their side. But I'm telling you, Christians need to stay out of this mess. It is a mess over there. We should only support giving the gospel. That's right. We should not. We should not convey support for either side, but rather sympathize with both sides as they are both dying without Jesus Christ, and both sides have wicked governments and wicked leaders, and unchristian and and there's no god involved in either side there's no god chosen on either side of this this is this is god willing that none should perish but that all should come to repentance but but other than that he is not for either side and if you he happen to see one side gaining ground over the other side that's only because prophecy is happening not because god is is blessing and uh i i just i just encourage our our brethren watching, you need to just focus on Christ. Keep your 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 eyes in the Word of God, and uh, and don't let uh, current events control your thinking. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I appreciate you uh, coming on the program. I appreciate everyone uh, watching, and I hope nobody takes this as uh, you know we hate uh, the issues podcast guys. Uh, I, I think they're good guys, as I do believe most of the IFB. Uh, are good guys, but I believe this is an area where they are where they are greatly, greatly in error, and um, I encourage Baptists to take another look at these things. Now, don't take another look at your books. Take another look in the Scripture, and right. let the let the Bible show you how to rightly divide. Let Hebrews show you how to rightly divide. Don't let Larkin or, or Schofield or or Ruckman or any of those guys. Let the Bible do it. And you'll come to a completely different conclusion. If you don't understand something, you'll ask questions. I mean, do I, do I really look anti-Semitic? Do I really act that way? You can call and ask some clarifying questions if you like. But uh, I, I'm the fur- I am the furthest thing from that. I'm not trying to sound like Trump now, but I'm probably one of the least racist people that there are. Um, you know, but uh, that, that's my opinion about myself. But... Um, doesn't matter, man. If you don't think one race is better than the other, you're the bad one now nowadays. And so we live in upside down clown world. But I don't know. But either way, I do appreciate all those who watch and appreciate you coming on this program. So uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to this if you haven't yet. Share this, get the word out, and uh, we will see you all next time. God bless. Amen.